When you think of the Middle East, you might think of hot weather, date palms, camels, coffee, and hummus. But would you ever think Winter Olympics? Only five countries from the MENA region have competitors in the Winter Games in Beijing. Just 12 people from the region are competing in events on snow and ice. And they have some interesting stories about how they came to be there. 24-year-old Fayek Abdi became Saudi Arabia's first ever Winter Olympian, qualifying for the giant slalom event for 2022. But just a year ago, despite being a strong skier with a passion for the sport, he had no idea he would be representing his country. No. <laughs> I mean, even till recently, even a month ago, I wasn't even... I didn't even think I would go to the Olympics. Um, yeah, I just... I still can't believe it. I don't know when I'll start believing it. Yeah, I never thought I'd be in this position, really. Menon Uwais has been skiing since she was a small child. Her dreams of being at the Olympics have finally materialized. But despite being only 21, she believes this year may be her last and only chance to compete. It's been a few years now that I really want to compete in the Olympics. I started skiing at three years old, uh, so just a bit after <laughs> learning how to walk, thanks to my parents. Uh, they really wanted us to be good skiers. It seemed really important for them. You're listening to Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Leila Garagoslu, and this week we're asking what does it take to compete in the Winter Olympics, and how much more difficult is it when you're from a hot, arid region? Of course, some parts of the region have snow and famous ski resorts, but overall, the region doesn't cater to alpine sports. Fayek Abdi grew up in Saudi Arabia, not a country synonymous with snow. In fact, when snow and hail fall in the Saudi desert, it makes headlines across the world. But Fayek's mother introduced him to snow at a young age. So I started skiing when I was four. My mom taught me how to ski in Lebanon. And living in Saudi, there was nowhere I could ski consistently living in Saudi. So I, I really relied on getting my skiing time in Lebanon, which we tried to do in the winter. So we tried to spend as much time as possible in the winter. And then as I got older, I started going to Switzerland to a winter camp called Lazelles. And um, I, I loved the sport from, from a young age. I just didn't have, you know, the accessibility to get to, to a place to ski living in Saudi until I moved to Utah in 2016. And that's where the skiing really picked up. In 2020, Fayek graduated from the University of Utah in Salt Lake City and decided to head back to Saudi. With his passion for skiing, he was determined to find a way to bring the sport to his homeland. His friends told him repeatedly that there was no connection between skiing and Saudi. But Fayek was determined to find a way to change that. In 2021, he met a man who gave him the opportunity he was hoping for. That man was Henrik May, a German who had set the world record for the fastest sand skiing in the world. Henrik has a tour company in Namibia that specializes in dune skiing. He is like a pioneer of sand skiing. And uh, I reached out to him and, you know, tried to get to know him and hear his story. And he actually came to Saudi to uh, try to develop sand skiing. So, you know, after we went back and forth for quite a while, we partnered up and we started trying to work on how are we going to bring the sport to Saudi? How are we going to make it grow, basically? And while we were doing that, he got an email from Neom. And Neom were asking him if he knew anyone from Saudi who skis. So he forwarded the email to me. And I immediately called the number on the email and I told them, you know, basically my story, what I've been doing. And I told them 
I can help them out with what they're doing. They wanted to film a video shoot on uh, Jabal al They They made snow and they wanted to test how long the snow will last and all that kind of stuff. But while doing that, they wanted to also film something. So I went there for about a week. Uh, we filmed and did all that kind of stuff. And then while I was there, the CEO of the Winter Sports Federation called me and he said, we'd like to meet. Bayek has always had a love of skiing. He says the freedom he feels in the mountains gives him an unparalleled sense of presence. He had never dreamed of skiing in the Olympics until that fateful day he spoke to the CEO of the Winter Sports Federation. Now, he has the support and ambitions of Saudi Arabia behind him as the first ever Saudi athlete to compete in the Winter Olympics. To be honest, it was so hard to believe I was in Saudi because I could never imagine skiing in Saudi. And it was the first time someone to ski on snow in Saudi, from what they told me. So it was uh, definitely an interesting, an interesting feeling. But I think there's potential for skiing in Saudi because I believe Neom are building a ski resort in Jabal al And then there's about two or three other indoor ski centers that are being built. Two in Riyadh and one in Jeddah, I believe. And one of the ski centers in Riyadh is the second biggest in the world. So it could be a very good training venue for us in the summer. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and I hope this uh, this opens the doors for, for Saudis to take part in, in winter sports. Fayek hopes that he can finally connect Saudi to skiing, and that the future of the sport in the kingdom will grow. He also has big plans for his own career. My dreams in the future, I do, I do have goals and aspirations in my skiing career. You know, the Olympics are cool. Everyone knows what the Olympics are, but the pinnacle of like ski racing is not the Olympics. It's the World Cup. And skiing in the World Cup would be not just participating in the World Cup, but like being able to to be in a good spot, to finish in a good place in the World Cup would be amazing. And that's really my goal. That's what I'm working towards. And I think that would be that would be huge. I mean, for me, I think that's bigger than than participating in the Olympics. But when my ski career is over or my competing career is over, uh, my goal is to breed. Um, young Saudi athletes to compete in the World Cup, basically. I think anything's possible. And if you, if you have the right resources, which I, th- I believe we do in Saudi, we can groom and, and develop top ski races. Menon Uwais is an alpine skier from Lebanon. She began skiing on the slopes of Lebanon when she was a small child, with the encouragement and support of her family. She quickly developed a love of the sport. I really loved skiing, uh, whether it's the exceptional setting where we do our sports in. So uh, mountains, nature. I love outdoors in general. Competition, the sport in itself. So adrenaline, speed, technique. It combines skiing, combines everything. I don't know, maybe I'm not objective enough, but... uh... (laughs) But although Lebanon, unlike Saudi, has the mountains and ski resorts within the country to help build these passions in the local people, the training and support in Lebanon just isn't there. Lebanon is a country that has been beset with multiple crises of government and economy for so many years that Manan's sporting dreams do not register as even a blip on the country's list of priorities. There's uh, a lot of obstacles in Lebanon. Because it's not a huge sport in Lebanon, it's not really practiced uh, on a competition level, we don't get any funding. You know, more than three-quarters of the Lebanese people don't have access to basic needs. They're struggling on a daily basis and on all levels. So it's really not the first preoccupation now uh, of the Lebanese government uh, giving funding for skiers, which I can understand. But uh, the fact is we are uh, the victims, if I can say, 
maybe it's too strong uh, to say that, but uh, finally we have a lot of obstacles in Lebanon to, to be good skiers uh, or good skiers enough to compete with the, the biggest names uh, at the Olympics. You know what I mean? Manon's success can be put down to a mixture of luck, determination, opportunity, and support given to her by her family. And she's very grateful for the experience of finally fulfilling her Olympic dream, a dream that she's held for many years and has been held back due to injuries. She revels in her place at Beijing, being in the Olympic Village and competing with world-class athletes. Although she's proud to represent the Lebanese people, she does not feel comfortable representing the Lebanese government. Many Lebanese people have what we call the Stockholm Syndrome, okay? <laughs> we love a country <laughs> that doesn't uh, give it back properly. But I tell you something, uh, there's a huge difference between wanting to representing the Lebanese people, whom I think are the best people in the world, I'm not very, very objective, but <laughs> that's what I feel uh, sincerely, and representing Lebanon. So Lebanon as the government who murder its people. So really, Lebanon, as the Lebanese people, are supporting me a lot. They're extremely proud of me. And uh, I want to make them proud. It's that simple as, as this. I make the difference between the Lebanese people and the Lebanese government or the state in itself. And, you know, we always tell uh, there's a lot of problems in Lebanon. Uh, it's uh, enduring uh, multiple crises. But maybe that's what I'm trying, actually, at my minuscule and, and humble scale. I'm trying maybe to put Lebanon on the map and remember that uh, Lebanon is, uh, is still standing, if I can say, and is still uh, bringing positive vibes, uh, bringing a, a glimpse of hope that despite everything, Lebanese athletes will, with all these obstacles are still able to make it to the Olympics. As Manon competes against the most elite skiers in the world in the Grand Slalom event, it is her personal support structure that she credits with her success. I have an eternal and uh, very deep support from my friends and family, and I'm extremely grateful for them because uh, I couldn't get here without them. So uh, I want to thank them all for the support because, you know, it takes a lot of factors to get uh, to compete at the highest level. It's not only about uh, being in shape uh, physically. The moral support is essential, not only important, it's essential. It's been, it's been a week. My, my mom is not sleeping anymore. She's living the thing with me, even uh, more than me. It's the experience of, of a lifetime, you know. When you say Olympics, it's, uh, it seems impressive for everyone. Manon's future in skiing is far less certain. It has been a struggle to balance it all. It depends on the support, she says. This is uh, my existential question of the moment. <laughs> I have no idea. I wouldn't ask myself uh, this question if I had the support, if I had fundings. But, you know, it's so exhausting for me, for my family. It's a lot of sacrifices. I don't know if all these sacrifices are worth the experiences uh, I'm living now and I get to live in, uh, in a few years because uh, I'm living now the Olympics. That's crazy. I'm, I'm so happy. But I have no idea, actually. It's under negotiation <laughs> with me and myself. So I really want to, I really wish to continue, but it depends on how much uh, I will be uh, supported, actually. Really. 
Back in Beirut, in an apartment above her father's art gallery, Manon's family sit and watch her race. They've seen her determination to compete over the years, sacrificing her social life, rearranging her studies to train, battling through a setback of injuries, and dealing with only having access to the slopes a few months of the year to finally get to what many would consider the pinnacle of athletic achievement, the Olympics. Her brother Romain expresses what all this means to him. As you know, uh, it was uh, the two, th- three past years in Lebanon were very difficult, uh, starting with the Beirut blast and the economic crisis. Then after that, um, uh, the um, political crisis and everything, you know, the, Lebanon was a shame in the world. We're not going to lie to each other. And she came and we saw that it was one of the only prides of Lebanon in the past few years. Everyone was so happy about it. And that's why it was like a big yes, hype. Yeah. yeah, it was a big, big hype because people were so proud. Even my friends and people I don't really know were like, we're, it's the only thing we're proud of now is the athletes going to the Olympics. And she was the only female athlete, not only in Lebanon, but in the Arab world. So it was during the Winter Olympics, you know, and in the Middle East, they don't even know there is ski. So it was super, super, super nice and super interesting to have that. And, uh, I was not expecting to be that proud. I was very proud, but like, you know, when the news were circulating, that's where we saw, we were so touched and moved and proud of my sister, her daughter, daughter. you know? So it was super, super, super nice. Super, yeah, it was a very good experience to have. I would have it 1,000 times over. Competing in the Olympics is a dream for many across the world. Only a small minority have the talent to make it to that elite level of sport, and even fewer have the support systems in place to help nurture that talent. There is a big difference between the support someone receives from the country with the grand ambitions for its future compared to those who simply rely on people back home rooting for their success. But hopefully, each success breaks down barriers and inspires the future generations to come. You've been listening to Beyond the Headlines. I've been your host, Leila Garagoslu. Thanks this week to Fayek Abdi, Manan Uwais, and her family in Lebanon. This week's episode was produced by Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan, with additional reporting from Finbar Anderson, Mariam Nahal, and Fatima Al-Mahmoud. <laughs>